Pits. I am very excited to have you guys this morning. As always, cannot thank you guys enough for joining us. You're gonna want to you're gonna want to crank it up this morning because we have the one, the only Jim Glennon with us this morning, Director of Secondary Services at Optimal Blue. And ladies and gentlemen, when you hear trading, when you hear hedging, you may be like, "What in the heck are they talking about?" Well, we're gonna share with you some knowledge that you are absolutely not gonna want to miss. But before we get into the show, as always, make sure you comment hashtag shred. That means you are live. You're hanging out with us this morning. You're shredding with Jim and I. And if you are joining us on the replay, make sure you comment hashtag hustle because you're out there, you're hustling, you're getting it done, and then you're coming back here to get the knowledge you need to grow your business. But ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Jim Glennon. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Jim. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Josh. Exciting. I'm I'm excited to have you here because this is something that we typically do. We don't talk about it a ton on the show. This is something within our industry, being in the industry and being in it as long as we have, Jim. This isn't something we hear about hedging. We hear about tra- trading. We hear about automation. But with Optimal Blue, you guys take this and, and the, the technology and the programs and the systems you guys have in place. That's why I'm really excited to be talking about it this morning because, again, this affects us as originators. This affects us as executives. Everybody out there in the lending space, this affects them. So before we dive too much into it, Jim, I want to get to know Jim Glennon a little bit more. So tell us a little bit about Jim. Tell us how, First and foremost, how long have you been in the industry? I've uh, been in the industry about 17 years. Started so out. You know, not your first go. This is not your first walk in the park. You've been here a couple of years. Been around a little bit. Yeah, not, not as <laughs> nearly as much as some people, but you know, I've been through, I guess, two crises now. So you feel like you've been, been doing it for 30, but yeah, I've been, <laughs> been in the mortgage business uh, longer than I care to admit sometimes. Nice. Well, being that you have been in it as long as you have, and like you said, going through these crises, these crises, do you, and I, let's start out with this. I was going to maybe even end with this. How different is 2007, 2008, 2009 than in today? Like we're going through something very, some people say it's similar. Some people say it's very different, but what, what's your thoughts and opinions on that? I'd say at this point, it's very different. I mean, when it started happening, it felt like it could be, it was reminiscent for sure. Sure. It was spooky, eerily similar where <clears throat> just all of the, I mean, the entire finance industry was, was taking a dive, right? You had commodities selling off, stocks selling off, bonds selling off all at the same time, which is unusual. It just, it's kind of a mass exodus from the financial system. And that's generally what was going on in 07, but also 07 was caused by the mortgage industry and it was more... It was more product liquidity related. Sure. Right? There were products that were disappearing. It was the products that that caused these mass delinquencies to happen. Whereas this time, it's something that again, something we've never seen, something totally different, which is this pandemic that that threatened to and ended up, you know, causing a lot of people to lose their jobs. Therefore, probably a lot of people defaulting on their mortgages or at least entering forbearance where they would defer their payments for a while. Um, but you know, the Fed did step in early and very heavy um, and propped up the the MBS market, which has really been, I think, really created some opportunity and, and, and made that crisis very short-lived, I hope, right? As of now, it looks very good. It looks like we're really in that kind of recovery mode, um, whereas the 07 disaster took years to really dig out of and for companies to become profitable again, whereas right now with volume where it is and rates as low as they are, um, you know, Lenders who stayed in the game are wildly profitable at this point. Have come completely out of that. Again, knocking on wood, have come completely out of that that trench that was created during that massive 
problem we had in March um, and are doing very well right now. That's and it's good to hear again somebody who's been in it as long as you have, especially in the secondary market side of things. Hearing about the opportunity that you're talking about, talking about the the prospects that are ahead of us, I, I think it's an exciting time to be within our industry. It's the exciting time for Optimal Blue as you guys have a lot of these tools and a lot of these systems in place to help, which we're going to get into here in just a sec. But I kind of derailed us, so I, I want to come back to you. You've been in the industry for 17 years. Uh, you have kids. You're working from home. How has that transition been? Going from you know working in an office and now being able to have a home office and having the family close. How's that been for you? It's It worked out better than I had hoped, better than I thought. I mean, for our whole organization, um, we had actually just transitioned to using Teams and we've got a, a really good IT infrastructure uh, division within our, our business. So we we're all able to transition to home within 48 hours of making the decision to do so. So it's been great for the business. I mean, personally, the, you can't beat the commute. I had kind of a monster commute to downtown Denver. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of our team members are uh, they live downtown, so it wasn't quite as bad. Um, and it's been great uh, at time. You know, most of the time is great being home and being near the kids. You know, it can get a little bit much with the whole family being home <laughs> 24 hours a day. But but it is really nice spending that time with them because otherwise these would be a lot of this. It's kind of a silver lining, I guess, to, yeah. to what's going on right now and having to be away from other family members and from friends and from coworkers. Uh, it's been cool to, to reconnect and connect really with the family. I 100% agree. And like you said, it's there's definitely a lot of pros and cons to having a home office, but it's so great being around the kids, you know, as we were talking prior to getting on the call, just being around them, being able to hear them, even hearing them laugh. Like when you're on a call with the team, sometimes again, you want to be focused, but even when you just hear them and, you know, enjoying time with, with each other or, you know, a spouse, like it just makes you smile. So it's, it's funny because I've even found times where I'm sitting at the home office and I'm on a call or something and I hear them laughing. It just makes me smile. So it's, it's a very different dynamic than I think any of us have ever uh, experienced. And with that, being that you guys live in Denver, do you guys have any hobbies? I mean, Denver, you know, great outdoor city do you guys have any outdoor hobbies or what do you guys do for fun as a family yeah i mean it, you know right now it's it's been a lot of spending time in the yard <laughs> got, a, got a trampoline we got it we ended up getting an above ground pool it's kind of like a carnival nice. that's awesome uh, see i remember <laughs> those days as a kid with the the, the above ground the pool trampoline getting in all kinds of trouble trying to jump from the trampoline into the pool you know that's that's probably next. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want, hopefully we're not giving your kids too many ideas. We'll, we'll, we'll move right on from that because I know we were all there as kids. So now let's, again, I, as much as I love talking about you, a lot of what, I mean, who you are and what you do is with Optimal Blue. You've been with Optimal Blue, you know, since 2012, and they really are doing some really incredible things, which I'm stoked to talk about as, as we move on. But let's talk about hedging for a second. And Briefly for our entire audience, everybody watching, again, whether you're an executive, whether you're an originator, whether you're in lending at all, let help us understand hedging a little bit. What is hedging? And and I know something that you guys do is a lot of automation with hedging, but before we get that far, what is hedging? Sure. I mean, hedging at its very core, I mean, just the definition of it, right, is, is you're looking to guarantee the price of something for a given period of time. So, you know, airlines will do it with fuel, right? They'll try to um, go into the open market and, and buy or sell a security that allows them to hedge the price of oil for a given period of time. So, that, you know, people are buying plane tickets right now. That price should be representative of, of the price of oil right now. If, if oil prices rise, they can still guarantee that they're going to make money on those plane tickets for a given period of time going forward. So in the mortgage industry, 
it's very similar and very efficient, right? So you have, if you've ever locked your own loan with a loan officer, or if you are a loan officer and you lock loans with, with borrowers, you know that basically what you're doing when you quote, when you lock that rate, uh, you're saying to the borrower, I'm going to guarantee you this rate for the next 45, 60, 75 days. And then what, what the lender is doing behind the scenes when that happens is they're basically selling forward a future settlement of interest rates of a bond at a given interest rate that 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 loans like that loan are actually going to go into so you you don't have to get even really exotic with mortgage hedging because you actually have these financial instruments that relate back to the loans uh, that go into them hmm. uh, so you're basically just again you're just hedging that that interest rate risk for a given period of time so that you can guarantee that rate to that borrower I think that analogy of the plane, like I, again, you you explained it so simply. I think anybody watching can understand what hedging is now. But as I was getting ready for this, and actually as I was talking with my team, um, some of our team was like, "Well, what is hedging?" Like what? And so that explanation, Jim, was so simple and so like, but so profound. Like that, <laughs> that's exactly what hedging is, and that's it, it plays a crucial role, especially within mortgage. Now, talking about it. One thing that Optimal Blue really is focused on is actually the automation of hedging. But hedging seems like it's something that is is a very critical piece, especially just how you explained it. How can this process even be automated? Um, like anything else, like any other business, right? It, it start any other business can start off very manual with how things are manufactured or how a process is done. You know, hedging alone. I mean, even starting with locking alone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, OB Optimal Blue has a ton of different products. Um, and some very main core products. And a couple of those are our pricing engine that most uh, most lenders use to manage their lock desk, manage locks, manage pricing to borrowers, right? You, you, if you automate that process to create efficiency, to create accuracy, uh, then those loans move into a, a piece of hedging software. In our case, we have also have, you know, the, the, the product that I manage here in Denver, which is the, uh, the hedging software. So loan automatically ends up in that piece of software and you know my analogy earlier of one loan one loan is a simple thing to kind of wrap your head around but when you have a a corpus of loans right a, an entire pipeline of 100 million 500 million a billion dollars sure there needs to be a lot of analytics that go behind that to make sure that the hedging you're doing is is optimal so to speak right so um that is very difficult to do in a manual setting or very difficult to do on spreadsheets or on a whiteboard uh, you're not going to be nearly as efficient unless you're automating something like that. Well, especially when it comes to, like you mentioned, when you have these, you know, one or two loans, maybe you can handle, but when you have pipelines of a hundred million, 500 million, a billion dollars in, in loans, like that's a lot like the, and trying to be able to manage that manually, like that just seems crazy to me. And everybody knows I, you know, my, my short space in the, in the secondary market. And when I, when I was working in that for a very, very short time, probably the shortest of, of all the things I've done in the mortgage industry, there's a lot that goes into secondary. There's a lot of things that go into it because you have the hedging. And then once the loan's closed, you actually have the trading. You actually, once, once everything's funded, then the trading. So talk about trading as well, because all these pieces, I all kind of come to play here in a second. We'll, we'll get to that. But once you, once you got the hedging, once you you have the automation for the hedging and then you have the trading capability of us. So talk about that a little bit. Sure. So similarly, we've created some automation there. Um, we have a product called Resi Trader, which is fully integrated with our with our hedge software and is um, and all of this, by the way, is supported by you know a team of amazing, amazingly talented people here in Denver. Uh, there's 28 of us or 29, including myself, here in Denver that support it, and we. 
for most of our clients, we actually do the trading and the hedging and the loan delivery for them. For, for wow. Our customers, uh, for about a, we have a hundred, exactly 180 customers, and we do some of the trading and, and uh, hedging for most of them. But others will, others will use that software uh, for trading. So when we say trading, sometimes we're talking about the actual hedging, right? The selling forward of that future settlement to guarantee that rate to the borrower. And then the borrower funds that loan or the, the lender funds the loan to the borrower, right? They've bought the house or they've refinanced their loan. So the borrower is done. They take the keys, they take their refinance, and they move on. But then that lender, most lenders don't lend their own money for very long. Right. right. It's basically on a line of credit. Um, in order to fund more loans, they need to get that money back. So lenders will sell loans uh, in what we call the secondary market. And there's a ton of buyers out there. Every loan has a has 50 different prices that you could get for that loan. So we auction those loans off through Resi Trader, and we say whoever's out there that this lender can sell loans to, we want to see prices from those entities, and we bring all those prices in. And then we also have a ton of native content in our our uh, our own pricing engine that has a ton of other different price models that can be utilized. Hmm. We bring all those together to create what's called a best X or best execution hmm. so that every single loan, Josh's loan has a best price out of maybe 60 different options. And, and for the lender to truly get, you know, the most profitability they can hope for, um, you need to take that best price and sell it to that, you know, to that entity. And that, that is all automated through between Resi Trader and Optimal Blue. Which that sounds crazy. I mean, all three, like I mentioned, these, and as you've clearly explained, all three of these things from the hedging to the trading, the automation of it, there's just a huge advantage. And you mentioned you have some of these clients who it sounds like they do it on their own. They use Optimal Blue to kind of do it themselves. But then right. you you help with uh, some of these other clients that you have is you do the entire the entirety of it from, it sounds like from the, the hedging, the trading, and everything. So what maybe and maybe this is too, but now I'm interested. Now you got me intrigued. Is there a size of a company that fits best for them doing it themselves, or, or do you guys, depending on their size and what their needs are, how do you determine if you do it for them, or or is it just down to the company's needs? Good question. We get that a lot. I mean, it, it's it's the last thing. It's it's up to the customer's needs. You know, there's some customers that are very, that are very small and they'll, they have someone in house who can handle, or a group of people who can handle the hedging and the, and the committing. Um, and then we have also, then we have some very large customers who we do the hedging and committing for them. Hmm. So it's really, it, there is a little bit of a correlation, the larger the customer, typically they're going to have folks in house and they're going to want to control that process. Uh, but there are exceptions to that as well. Hmm. So it just, Ultimately, like we said, it just depends on what your needs are and, and depending on your growth and the opportunity that you see right now, having a call and having a conversation with Optimal Blue really might be able to help you kind of see, hey, this is the direction we're going or these are things we do need help with. And there's a lot of companies looking to make big moves right now. So now is a really good time to have a conversation to understand, is it best to keep this in-house? Is it best to work with somebody who has that the system already in place for me so we can go focus on other things? A guy like me, I'm always looking to find things that are automated that can take things off my plate and focus on other things. So it seems like you guys kind of do have a solution for everybody out there. Yeah. And anything in between, you know, there's a lot of times where we will do the hedge trading and then the customer will, will do the the loan best X. Um, and we can also, we also have situations where the customer starts off where we're doing the hedging and the committing, and then we, we train them hmm. to do that on their own. So that there's a different kind of different cost and different arrangement 
that goes along with that, but it's the same software. So anybody can pick up and pick up where they left off at any time um, and vice versa. And again, it's all automated. So it's, it's relatively simple to, to pass that, that workflow along to somebody else and teach them how to do it. I love that. So like you said, it really just depends it depends on what they need. I mean, you can have something extremely robust that you guys offer and you can get very granular with each and every individual or each individual lender or company that you're working with, with which I think is really, really cool and exciting. And I want to kind of shift gears just for a second, because as we talk about all these things, a lot of people who are watching are probably like, well, it's been a roller coaster of a year for us. There's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Coming from the secondary market, somebody who really understands what is going on, what is actually happening, and what are you seeing in our industry as a whole? Because I, I think there's opportunity. You mentioned there's opportunity, but what the heck is actually going on? Sure. So, I mean, to back up a little bit into what happened in March, right? That really is the beginnings of what is going on now, or what what, sure. what caused some of the turmoil that's still out there. Um, we had the virus made it to the US. As I said earlier, we had the, the all the markets selling off, the Fed jumping in. Um, so you have these mortgage bonds that basically rallied. The, the price of mortgage bonds skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. But what didn't happen and would normally happen when the price of mortgage bonds skyrockets is normally borrower rates would plummet very quickly, meaning the prices that uh, lenders are being paid for these loans that they're selling would have tracked very well with the price of those bonds. Those prices of those loans would have gone up in a normal market, and they didn't. There's a major disconnect there uh, that took a very long time to recover. Uh, but that and that took place over like a week's time. Like the the, the market <laughs> rallied 500 basis points, which is five percent. Right. Um, this is all going on while the the Dow is dropping thousands of points um, over a short again a short period of time. So there was some stress there that when you know when is the you know when is the secondary market going to be healthy again? It happened very quickly. Yeah, at least it stabilized very quickly around April first. So this all took place over the period of about seven days, and since then we've seen a slow and steady recovery. And because rates are extremely low and volume is extremely high, um, right now things things are you know again knock on wood things are great. For lenders and banks, because they're they're originating new loans or they're locking new loans with borrowers in this kind of new world, right? This this new normal of extreme volume, low rates, and still a lot of fears about you know what's going to happen when uh, the the coronavirus is over and what this is going to mean for delinquencies and just yeah. with a massive amount of unemployment. But right now, again, the you know the secondary market has been has become a lot more aggressive and a lot more. Uh, profitable so folks are doing folks are doing well if they're still you know if they're still in the game if they're still originating as much business as they can and utilizing things like automation to to be able to drive volume higher uh, without you know lengthening turn times and, and causing issues for their customers so i mean like you mentioned rates are still incredibly low volume is up and like you mentioned, I, I I believe similar to kind of what you mentioned, I'd like to kind of expound on this and not to get too deep into things because I don't want to speculate. That's what we're here to do on this show. We're here to create value for everybody watching, but I will love somebody who has as much secondary marketing experience as you do, uh, Jim. What, what are we to see coming up? Uh, I mean, we're coming into halfway, we're halfway through 2020 at this point. Have we seen full ramifications of, of job loss of, 
um, you know, deferment of different things like that. Have we seen, have we just started seeing the beginning of it? Or are, are we through the difficult parts of it? What are your thoughts? I mean, like you said, I'd be speculating, but I think sure. if we don't see another major spike in the pandemic, if if we do get closer to whether it's a good treatment or a good vaccine, it does at least feel like by most projections that unemployment hit hit a low, um, forbearances hit a high, forbearances finally tapered off this past week where we were kind of seeing just constant increases in loans going into forbearance. That's starting to ebb, you know, starting to come down a little bit. Um, but it does feel like the economic effects are going to last a long time. Mm. So, you know, I guess we're lucky to be in the mortgage industry where um, rates should be low for the foreseeable future. I think that's almost a given unless there's some kind of just exceptional rebound in in the world economy that nobody's expecting. It's likely that rates will be extremely low. We might see, we're already seeing rates that we've never seen. It's possible right. we'll see rates that we can't even we can't imagine if you start <laughs> you could see negative rates in certain types of industries not i don't i don't think we'll see negative mortgage rates but you could see negative treasuries and negative other types of of um, rates like we've seen in other other parts of the world and that's even just crazy to think about and when we like said we don't want to speculate we don't want to go over there but when that starts happening we're gonna have jim back on to talk about that because how that's going to affect things even more and but let's talk about it as things stand right now, as our industry stands, let's talk about, as we start to wrap things up here, Jim, talk about some of the best practices and techniques that lenders should be looking at in this type of market. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is really being hypersensitive to your pipelines, you know, more than ever. Um, you know, most lenders are seeing pipelines and sizes they've never seen before. So that a lot of th things can get lost, right? Accuracy can be lost. Um, you can have kind of dead wood floating around in your pipeline, meaning um, loans that were never destined to close or loans where the borrower lost their job, right? You're going to want to keep the pipelines clean where you don't, you're not hedging those loans and you don't have people working on those loans, right? Because you need right. kind of all hands on deck uh, to be sure that, that, you're, that, that the loans that are viable are getting done. Uh, keeping an eye on, on a lot of the indicators, we've got a, a daily market briefing on our website that follows uh, some of these indicators that we've really started watching closely since the pandemic started and since the market really got turned upside down, keeping an eye on those kind of numbers, um, continuing to sell loans quickly. I think the, the whole forbearance issue is basically a game of hot potato, right? Like if you're, if you hang on to a loan long enough, that loan could go into forbearance. So every day that you hold on to a loan is, is, is putting your, you at a little bit more financial risk. So selling loans quickly, most of us don't have the, the luxury of hanging on to loans for very long anyway, because we're trying to, you know, there's a, there's a limited capacity for how many yep. loans you can hang on to before you have to right. sell them. And at high volume, uh, just keeping an eye on, on churning your, you know, your warehouse lines. And, and I think that's like you said, turning those warehouse lines, not, again, coming from a lending background, you don't want to hold on. You don't want to hold on to those loans because you never know, especially in this economy, you don't know if they're going to go into a forbearance. So being able to, having that automation, having those systems and those solutions put in place that Optimal Blue can help with. That's why it's something that's, especially with all the opportunity right now, and some of the things that you have, again, not speculated, but some of the things that we're predicting that, that may have happened, lower interest rates, you want to start looking for solutions and systems to have in place now. So if rates, if you're already scrambling over your pipeline, if things even get 
if the opportunity continues to increase, like you may be way behind the eight ball. Like you, you have to start looking forward. You have to be innovative. You have to be looking towards the future. And again, that's where Optimal Blue plays such a vital role for so many lenders, so many companies who are looking to grow right now. Absolutely. So to me, it's exciting. It's so much fun to watch what you guys are doing. And Jim, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today and sharing some of this wisdom, sharing these things that we should be keeping an eye out for right now. And again, with all your industry expertise and knowledge, kind of starting to prepare ourselves for what's to come and some of the things and some of the strategies you can be, start putting in place now to make sure you are ready for that. So Jim, cannot thank you enough for sharing so many great things and so many things that Optum Blue is doing. And uh, again, just your out, outlook for the future. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Josh. This was fun, man. Really oh, enjoyed man. it. Thank you. I, I love this. And the knowledge you got to share, everybody, there were some great comments in here. And sorry we couldn't get the questions, guys. I know uh, there was a question in there, and I apologize. I, I saw it, but uh, we, there was a couple of comments, and we missed it. Uh, and I will make sure the question gets answered. We'll get that over to Jim, and we'll make sure we respond to you guys. But with that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you guys tuning in and watching. We're here for you, especially like Jim said earlier. There's a lot of opportunity to be had, and having great partners like Optimal Blue that can help you manage all these things is absolutely critical to your success right now. And that's why we have great guys and great companies on like Jim, so they can help you ultimately grow your business. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap up the shred show for today. As always, we appreciate you. We love you. Now it's time to go shred, go show up, hustle, repeat every day. See you guys. Thanks, Jim. Thanks guys. Thanks, Josh.